Hello and welcome to Legal Griefing, a show where a game dev and a lawyer cross-examine courtroom video games. Please don't take our marital nonsense as legal advice. I'm aspiring game dev, Kara Hurwitz. And I'm not an aspiring lawyer, Kaylin Sandel. And we're here today to talk about Represent, a game where you take all the gifts that you got at your holiday of choice and go out on Boxing Day and give them out to other people. Wait a minute, I must have played the wrong game. Okay, I'm I, lying. The game that I played was an edutainment title designed to help people who are going to court in New England understand what they need to do. Yes. We are here today to talk about, it really is spelled like it is represent yeah. or represent. Re-represent. Uh, re Re-present. <laughs> anyway, that Repre game. Yeah. Technically, we are playing, we played both represent original flavor and represent renter. And they're both games designed to teach people how to represent themselves pro se in court. Which is why we have a Swapped Roll episode today, which I'm so excited about. That's right. I learned how to represent myself in court. It's true. She learned how to represent herself pro se. That is actually a very important legal distinction that I should not be glossing over. <laughs> but did I really learn it? Well, I don't know, did you? Let's find out. All right, fair enough. Uh, so with that, let's go into our opening narrative. Let's do. Kaylee, who is the client in these uh, two cases? I would like to say Mr. and Ms. Player, but we don't actually know that there's a relationship between them. In the first game, we are Mr. John Player, and in the second one, we are Ms. Best Player. So if you were hoping to not be a player no more, uh, these are not the games for you. It's true. I'm not a player. I just law a lot. I know. Okay. Mr. John Player was the uh, protagonist, if you will, or at least the pro se defendant of original flavor represent. And then Ms. Best player was the uh, pro se tenant in Represent Renter. We're up against a couple of plaintiffs whose names, if they are mentioned, don't matter. It's true. Both of them have lawyers, and both of them are not very bright, it seems like. Or at the very least, they are inveterate liars. <laughs> It's true. And it's also worth noting that on both of these cases, unlike in the Phoenix Wright Battle Court universe, none of these cases are criminal cases. So in the first case, mm -hmm. we were working on a small claims case where um, a plaintiff who was being represented claimed that we, Mr. John Player, owed her money because she fixed his car. And in the second case, of course, it was landlord-tenant law. Ms. Player was trying to avoid being evicted from her home. The second game, the actual facts of the case are much harder to pin down because they tried to uh, cover a lot more ground. It's true. We have kind of like a multiverse thing happening in that one where we're like, we do one thing and they're like, well, that's how it would work if you didn't prepare this thing. But now mm -hmm. let's prepare this thing and try it again. And so it's like... Kind yeah, of the only hypothetical we get in the first one is the guy dreaming about doing a really good job in court. It's true. <laughs> Which is, you know, of course, how everyone, that's everyone's first thought when they learn they're being dragged to court by someone about money they don't know. They think about what a great job they're going to do in court in yeah, their dreams. Yeah, they do. Yeah. That's definitely what I would dream about and not failing miserably. <laughs> so other than uh, John Player's inspiring, successful dream of small claims court, what did he do to prepare? Oh gosh, what didn't he do? Actually, it's really unclear in both cases. <laughs> because this game has a lot of text and, and suggests that you do a lot of things. Like a lot of it's things. True. We're not talking about a checklist that could be written on a screen. Otherwise, they might have done that. This is multiple 
bullet points under multiple headings, under multiple sections. It's true. And it's it's intended to sort of reflect multiple days of preparation. We do have some things that are kind of checklisty, like they want to make sure we get a babysitter for our kids, and we call out of work, and we subpoena people, and we uh-huh. like look on, um, because we play the Massachusetts version, we looked on Mass Legal Help, which is a real website run by the Mass Law Reform Institute, which are um, colleagues of mine. I work with them on stuff sometimes, full disclosure. They're pretty great. But we looked on that <laughs> because this we game did. was, they were consulted on the legal pieces for this game. And we also went to the law library and talked to a law librarian and went online and yep. printed out all our materials. Well, wait, well, it's really like, it was not clear what happened when we went online. It's true. The game did not enumerate that. It's true. We'll talk about that more when we get to objections. But so we did a bunch of stuff. And as Kaylin already alluded to, best player did. Best player, I would say, uh, came in better prepared, but only because she got to watch the disastrous actions of her other selves in alternate universes who did not prepare. It's true. She had the benefit of the multiverse. In case it's not obvious, the game design of these two games is very different. It's true. But Bess actually gets some like game show style quiz sections, which let me just tell you, we're not going to go into it yet, but as a preview of how this game was, the pop quiz sections were kind of the most interesting part of the game. You're so. stealing my jam because I'm the game dev this time. Sorry. I'm just saying it wasn't very good. It's okay. I stole it your jam boring. as the lawyer like five times already. This was never going to work as a pure role reversal. <laughs> it's true. But so, let's move on. <laughs> there were, in fact, many, many games for Represent Renter. So how did it go? <laughs> give me the court transcript. Oh, I'm not sure that's entirely possible, but let me give it a go. Okay. Um, so, John Player. Uh, has a dream about doing well in court, wakes up, has not yet done well in court, goes to various locations that we enumerated earlier, uh, possibly a few more, but I'm not going to try to guess them. And uh, he does all of his homework. He goes into court and basically presents a few pieces of very basic evidence to prove that the plaintiff is lying, probably lying. And while we don't get a ruling, it's clear that we did pretty well. And as for uh, best player, it's more or less the same, except the preparation is more lengthy. We get to see more failure states. And and we don't even actually get, I don't like, think we, yeah, we don't really get a hearing yeah. section. It's just, yeah, the judge that's didn't, part of each section. And to be fair to them, summary process does Weird. look very different in many states. But we didn't even get a judge who told us, like, they'd take it under advisement and give us a response. We just kind of got like, and you did at the end. So we don't actually know how either of these defendants did in court. No. Unlike in Phoenix Wright cases where, you know, for better or for worse, we at least know what happened by the end. Yeah, you get an actual <laughs> verdict. But, you know, in real life, you don't always get that, especially in uh, small claims court. Although one hopes you do usually get a decision by a judge at some point somewhere in there if you do not settle. Yeah. Well, you know, that's not the the game's job, I guess. It's true. Okay, so let's go into our direct examination. Yeah, so, okay, uh, as our in-house aspiring game dev, (laughs) I guess, which is only the case because you never finished the game that you were working on. That's true. I also was creating an edutainment game, which I'll talk about at the end because it was cool. It was more interesting and also more depressing. Yeah, okay, fair. But, um, so... Kara, from a game design perspective, <laughs> yeah. what did you enjoy about these games? 
Yes. I have to say, both of these games from a game design perspective had about half of a good game. <laughs> For the first uh, original flavor represent, they had like MIDI music playing throughout the whole thing, which was kind of fun. Like it had to repeat many times, but it didn't make me want to claw my ears out by the end of the game, which is, you know, noteworthy, especially for this type of game. Yeah, I mean, like, it was still a 20-second loop. Well, yeah, but it was, you know, it was a 20-second bop. I suppose. (laughs) Um, And they had art assets that were kind of charming, like very, like, kind of construction paper cutout images, Mm -hmm. which were fun. And in the second game, the uh, Represent Renter, I really enjoyed the mini games. I thought the mini games were um, both kind of fun to play and actually a pretty good teaching tool. I thought those in particular did a really good job of presenting information in a way that might actually stick in a tenant's brain if they were trying to um, glean things that they could use, like to bring with them to court. So those were the two pieces that I, I really liked about both of those games. Kaylee, tell me about the cases. How did the games help you learn how to lawyer, or at least learn how to represent yourself in a pro se context? Well, they certainly were chock full of information, often repeated, and some of that information was pretty crucial. Being pointed toward resources is just a very necessary thing that is not always done, especially in the American legal system. Sometimes these things can be awfully hard to find. So having a resource that kind of runs you through where to go is certainly a good thing. And I will say that the uh, the second game's games did actually manage to... I, I'm not sure how much I learned exactly, but at the very least, it seems to be effective at providing information or reminding you of things that you might need in a situation like that. So, like, especially for the second game, I do feel like they presented the information in little chunks in ways that that I think are learnable. Yeah, it was digestible. Yes. Okay, so that being said... You blew through that one, huh? <laughs> I really just kind of blew through it. How I about mean, that? It wow. did have some... Well, we should be through this section in no time. Let's go. <laughs> okay, all that being said, let's talk about objections. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I know, I know. (laughs) And, you know, we should pause and note that just the idea of creating a game Mm -hmm. that people can play in order Mm -hmm. to learn more about what to expect in court when they're not represented, like, that's innovative. It's actually cool that this was created in the first place. Yes, it was. And it's accessible for a lot of folks who need it in a way that many other forms of materials aren't. And it's free. And it's free. It's true. They're both available online. I'll I'll put the link in the show notes so that you too can learn how to represent yourself pro se in um, New England civil contexts of various stripes. Not Um, all of them. Not all of them. Because we didn't have one didn't the second game not have... Uh, yeah, Renter, that's a, actually an important caveat. Renter yeah. currently only exists for Maine and for Connecticut. So we pretended so. that we lived in Connecticut for that long. No, we didn't. We pretended we lived in Maine because oh, I actually right, was licensed the... in Maine. Right, course, <laughs> so I do actually, I was able to tell whether or not it was correct, which yes. it was, in case anyone was curious. All of the legal information that was provided in these games was, as far as I can tell, as an attorney licensed in both of those states, extremely accurate. So I guess we had a little bit more of direct examination, we could yeah, say, as, after all. as not a lawyer, I can also confirm that they were accurate. <laughs> as an aspiring not-lawyer. Yeah. Well, I'm not aspiring. I'm okay. not aspiring. Okay. I'm not aspiring to be a not-lawyer. I'm already that. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fair. You've achieved that goal. Good yes, job. I have. Thank you. All there right. is a lot of things that I wish to accomplish, but that one I'm glad to have off yeah, the Yeah. No, it's a lifelong accomplishment. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so that being said, let's go for real into objections now. So as a game designer, aspiring or otherwise, yeah. why don't you go ahead and, and roast this thing? Um, <laughs> tell, tell us what's wrong with it. Gentle roasting, gentle roasting, because I do have colleagues who worked on this Loving game. Loving correction. <laughs> so one piece of feedback that I would give lovingly to the folks who created this excellent tool is the first game in particular, the original flavor um, represent creates a huge amount of information. It has this sort of odd quirk where it throws huge chunks of information at you at once um, in a way that's difficult for people to digestically like, you know, kind of digest and understand and learn mm -hmm. while also eliding a lot of information that you would most want to know. So like, for example, when you go into you go to visit the court as one of the things you do ahead of going for the actual court date. And it has you like wander up to the security guard at the um, metal detectors, which are, you know, generally in, in the front of many courts, most courts. I've mm -hmm. never been to a court that didn't have one in Massachusetts or Maine. And you kind of have a 30 second chat with a security guard. Then you walk off, not using the metal detectors, by the way. No, you just walk you right just, by You just guy. like moonwalk off stage left. But it doesn't actually show you like anything about what you could expect the court to look like. It kind of mentions the court clerk, but it doesn't really tell you how to find the court clerk. <laughs> a lot of the things that you would most, that a, that a human being would most want to know if they actually were trying to scope out a court ahead of a court date, were not included in that. And yet there were these long chunks of information that require you, among other things, to be a fluid reader of English, which is intimidating for folks who are limited English proficiency, yeah. or for uh, folks who have not finished their high school or higher education. It requires you to ingest a huge amount of that information and it doesn't have although it repeats it it doesn't really give you a way to hold on to that information so it's not easy to like it doesn't give you the opportunity to print anything it doesn't give you the opportunity to like easily go back to information if you need to so it's just very difficult for the average consumer who needs to go into court and doesn't have a, a law degree to really absorb everything that's being thrown at them yeah. and it and it's missing information that most people would want to know and to be fair to the folks who created this game probably some of the reason that it's missing that, that key information is because that information is going to be different at every at every court, right? And they don't want to tell you something that's wrong. They don't want to create a false impression, which I very much understand. But it does create these weird holes in the way the game is structured. That said, <laughs> for the second game, which had way less of that issue, there were a lot more, um, things were much more packaged in a way you could easily understand. It was much easier to go back to information. There was this game format that was much more of a true game. So you got to like you know, give answers to things. And there was like a mini game where you got to click on the, on the different things that were wrong in the house. So it was like interactive in a way that was visual, which is great for folks, you know, the folks I was mentioning a minute ago who have limited English proficiency can still play that game, right? Cause it's just, and it does have text information that it relays, you know, once you've clicked on an image, but it's, it's not heavily reliant on ability to fluently and quickly read text in the same way which is very cool. And I'm realizing I should have said that in direct examination. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's on me. But they didn't have a lot of the really basic game mechanics that were present in the first one. So like, there was no music in the second game. You were just kind of sitting there in silence, which was a little odd, especially because it did have sounds for some of the mini games. Like one, a couple of the mini games, you're like on a game show and they have sounds for like the buzzer yeah. <laughs> and they have sounds for um, a couple of other things as well. But it just draws attention to the fact that there's no ambient music, which is really- It's un eerie, especially yeah. after playing the first yeah, game. Yeah, especially playing the first game, which had it. This is like the next iteration of that game, but it's missing the music from the first 
first game, which is weird. Karen um, tried to solve this problem by singing the music from the first I game. I gave a lot of concerts. It's I true. decided to nip that in the bud, and I just put on the Windows 3.1 MIDI collection. I have to say, the Windows 3.1 MIDI collection, real good backdrop for this game, for yeah, the most part. It, it worked works. really well. It, works. it really kind of <laughs> calls back to that 90s era edutainment boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that actually, we were able to sort of DIY <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> but uh, the fact that it was missing one, as Caitlin was saying, it felt a little eerie. Like it's weird for games to not have that, especially if they have other sound effects at this right. point in time. Also, they um, they didn't, the first game I think didn't really try to do much animation. Mm-hmm. They had a very small amount of it, but not very much. This game tried to do more animation. I have to say, no animation might have been better than the kind of weird slow-mo roller skating everybody was doing. There were were some issues. It was like the characters were all just kind of going on tracks that were removed from their actual actions of lifting and putting down their feet. Yeah. (laughs) Which was a little, again, very uncanny valley. It was kind of eerie. It's pretty common for that sort of thing to be the case, but usually the character is moving fast enough that you don't really notice. These characters moved very, very slow. Yes, they did. It's true. um, Layer order was a bit of an issue. It kind of, it had some early flash issues. Oh, wait, I'm stepping out of my lane again. No, I appreciate the support. Thank (laughs) you. But yes, I agree with what you just said. Yeah. Okay, but that being said, Kaylin, what about the legal depictions weren't helpful to you? Well, I think that as a study guide for an aspiring lawyer, which I'm not, As a a study guide for an aspiring lawyer who needs to communicate information to a client, I could see that being kind of useful. But in the first game especially, the walls of text are just not the kind of thing that you can expect someone who is reading through these things. And, you know, bear in mind that it's not an article, it's not a textbook. Once you pass by some text, it doesn't appear again. You can't scroll back up to it. So, like, I guess that's a little bit of game design, but... For me, it's just information retention. I wasn't really given the tools that I needed to know what I needed to remember. The first game is so full of information and resources and does so little to distinguish them that I remember almost nothing from it. The main lesson I took from it is be deferential to the judge, which I already knew from listening to the Alex Jones trial. And the second game, definitely a better job of communicating information to the user. Definitely a better job of communicating what the law is and what your responsibilities under the law are. Much worse at showing you what the process is and how it goes on a chronological level. The the games are kind of reversed that way. The first game gives a better idea of the chronological proceedings of a court case. The second game is more like a list of -of out-of-order bullet points that are more easy to remember and better made. And again, that might be because, to be fair, for summary process, some folks who go into a court for summary process might end up never even in front of a judge, at least in Massachusetts. You can mm-hmm. agree to mediation and then you like don't get to see any of the court piece. So they might have been like trying to reflect that to some extent or like trying to make sure that what they were providing was still helpful, even if someone was put in front of a mediator and told to negotiate a settlement. But, you know, it's a little jarring. Yeah, I mean, really, really, I have to admit that for the most part, it basically was a PowerPoint with some additional stuff thrown in and limited interactivity. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I'm not sure what more it brought to the table than a study guide. No, I take your point. 
and that's that's kind of where I'm at in terms of the legal depictions. The information it was there, but some of me really wants the first game and the second game to kind of you know put their heads together and figure out how to take the best of both games and put them into a new one. Yeah, I definitely agree that like the strengths of one were the weaknesses of the other for yes. the most part. Yes. Okay, so that being said, let's give our verdict. What do we think of the overall games? All in all, I mean, listen, I'm a child of the 90s. I was nursed, I guess I should say, I was weaned on edutainment games. Many of them were substantially worse than this, of course. But, you know, it means that I've, I've seen a lot of this stuff and, and some of it doesn't elicit the same reaction as others. All in all, I would say that these kind of need to go back to the drawing board a little bit. If they are meant to do a better job of communicating information to a player than just a study guide. I overall, I guess, had a stronger opinion than you did, which is fair. But that's, you know, to be, to some extent, is informed by the fact that I just think it's really cool that these exist and that we're doing more than just kind of shoving a wall of text to people and being like, here's how you go to court, good luck, which I don't think is that accessible or helpful to most people. But that being said, I, I kind of agree to some extent with what you're saying. I liked Represent Tenet better as a game than I um, yeah. liked Original Flavor Represent, which makes sense because it's an iteration, right? Like they made some things better in the transition from one to the other. I definitely think there are ways in which they could be improved, but um, they get a lot of slack for me just because I understand what the general baseline is <laughs> for supports for folks who are trying to represent themselves pro se within our system. And that's in no way intended to be a slam on the resources that do exist, um, especially here in Massachusetts. I mentioned Mass Legal Help earlier. I really firmly believe that that is an excellent resource for people who need assistance um, in a variety of different ways. And it is, you know, it's a lot of information, but it's information that people can pull up and access and it's really helpful. And, you know, there are a lot of other entities that put out comparable and really good um, resources. But by the same token, everybody learns differently. For folks who are kinetic learners, a wall of text is not going to be that helpful, but a game is. Uh -huh. And so it's like, it's good to have more resources. And I think it's good that it's out there. I would love to see um, if uh, the folks who are putting this out do put out a third iteration. I would love to see them combine some of the really helpful um, in-depth information of uh, and soundtrack of the first one with the sort of like mini games and digestible amounts of information displayed at once and ability to return to information that was in the second one. So, you know, that's my feedback. But overall, uh, I think it's pretty cool that this exists because at the end of the day, I think like a public interest attorney and I am happy that this resource exists for folks. So that's my verdict. Yeah, I think that's a totally good verdict. And, you know, I want to be clear. I also like that these things exist, but it has been 30 years since this as a genre started to be a thing. And I just, I guess I have slightly higher expectations uh, of them. That's um, fair. And and we should be clear, if you go to like the Represent website, which I'll, I'll include the link in the show notes, it actually tells you when these materials are copyrighted. And it's like 2018. This was, yeah, these were pretty, recent games. Recent. I just want to be clear about that. They're pretty recent. And you know, like I, I'm not expecting a world-class design in things like these, but they're designed to get information to people who wouldn't receive information through a wall of text. And right. We kind of got a wall of text yeah. anyway. No, I understand what you're saying. And I agree with what you're saying. I think it would be better to have uh, more digestible information, especially in the first game. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that is Represent, which is available online for free. As we mentioned, it will walk you through uh, multiple types of 
pro se scenarios in various New England states. The second one, which is landlord-tenant, is uh, only available currently for Connecticut and Maine law, but the first one exists for Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. several, I believe several other New England states as well. Represent Original Flavor is available for folks in Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. Represent Renter is, as we mentioned, only Connecticut and Maine. Okay, so that's, um, so that's represent. That being said, let's go on to in media res. Let's talk about causes and games that we're working on or thinking about right now. Kaylin, what games are you playing right now? Oh, I'm playing a couple of new games, but I think that the one that I want to highlight is the one that is getting a lot of attention in my local game dev circles right now, and it's called Potionomics. Potionomics is uh, one of those games that kind of looks in terms of uh, style, a little bit eerily like free-to-play mobile scam games with gotcha mechanics. But the actual game in the script seems to have a lot of heart. It's a game where you play an alchemist in, in a fantasy world who inherited your uncle's potion store in a substantial debt. Players of Resetir may find this plot kind of uh, familiar, and it is very, very reminiscent, except that the the haggling mechanic is much closer to a game like Griftlands. It's a deck-based uh, social combat mechanic. And, you know, it's queer. The graphics are pretty great. It's hard as all get-out, which is very interesting. It's an unusual path for a game like this to take. Uh, like a, I, I guess I would call it a double-A, like a, a big indie. But, you know, I'm getting used to it, and I'm enjoying figuring out what the game wants me to be doing. And that's kind of cool. I gotta say, peering over her shoulder while she's playing it, the game looks really cool. I super want to play this game. It looks like it would be up my alley. You will, you will. <laughs> oh, and as for causes, I just want to mention that the USA uh, like annual trans survey is out again. And the website for that is super easy to remember. It's just ustranssurvey.org. So it's spelled U-S. T-R-A-N-S-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot org. The trans survey exists to get a feel for the overall demographic health and well-being of what is currently a fairly threatened demographic. So if you are trans, gender non-conforming, any of those, please go to ustranssurvey.org and uh, share your information. It can be shared anonymously, by the way. The survey, I believe That's the true. survey permits um, people who are concerned, especially given what Caitlin was just saying about um, <laughs> the ways in which this is a, a population, they may have to consider those things. It is very possible to fill it out um, anonymously. Yeah. And if you do enter distinguishing information, it's not identifiable information because it'll do things like ask you for the first and last net letter of your first name to help distinguish who's who. So yeah, please please go check that out. Uh, this kind of thing is fairly important, and in 10 years we're going to know how awful things were right now. So <laughs> please go ahead and participate. It's for science. It really is for science. It is, it is. Okay, uh, so not to follow up the um, important cause that Kaylin just said with some nonsense, but uh, to follow up the important like cause that Kaylin just the said way with some gaming nonsense. 
I, my game this month is uh, one of those phone games that are free to play. <laughs> I just referenced. Because I have been... Notice I didn't say anything bad about them That's, that's a fair point. Except for the gotcha mechanics. Those are kind of creepy. Well, this one's not a gotcha game. So well, you go. There you go. There You're you safe. go. We're good. Okay. So, um, yeah, I've been running around a lot, doing a lot of different projects, and I haven't gotten to play really, like, hunker down with a video game in the way that I tried to do, like, one at a time. But I want to talk about um, a mobile game that I've actually really enjoyed um, when I have the brain to play it. It is a, a logic game, so I will give that caveat going in. It's not a great game to play when your brain is completely falling out your ears. But it's a mobile logic puzzle game called Cross Logic. And I, I will freely admit, I am one of those weirdo lawyers who like enjoyed the logic puzzles on the LSAT. Lots of other people I know in my profession think I'm an absolute weirdo for that. And it's fair, I own it. But I really enjoy logic puzzles. I have since I was a kid. And um, the thing that I think is really fun about Cross Logic, in addition to the fact that it's just, you know, a, a good UI for logic puzzles and it's, they're relatively interesting and engaging logic puzzles, they get, you know, you get grids that are several axes deep is um, they figured out a way to make it a game with a um, plot, which I think is really cool. So you play this like detective. I mean, you don't have to do this. You can just play the logic puzzles if like, you know, a campaign game is not your jam. But you can open this game mode where you play as a like detective named Frank Logic and you like get a clue, like a particular clue where you like follow a lead. And then when you get there, um, in order to get the useful information from that lead um, or that location, you have to like take the pieces of information you've been given and like piece it together in order to infer what you've actually learned from that clue which I think is just so charming and you like run around going from place to place and it'll be like one puzzle you'll have to like figure out which hotel you're going to and then the next puzzle you'll be like or excuse me in the next clue you'll be like at that hotel talking to somebody about the person who stayed here like what room were they in and then you're like figuring out what room they were in like so it's just it's really fun and, and kind of innovative in a way that I think is is really charming so that's my game of the month it's uh, again it's called cross logic it's put out by a publisher called Gizmart. I am playing it on Android. I'm not sure whether it is available through platforms other than Google Play, but I am playing it through Google Play, and it's a good time. I enjoy it. That's my story. Okay. Good story. <laughs> so all of that being said, I do want to talk um, also about uh, causes I'm thinking about right now. And given that we're recording this at the tail end of October, and by the time you're listening to it, it will be the last few days of October, I really feel like... I should use this space in this episode to talk about the fact that the midterm elections are in like two weeks. They are. They are coming up real soon. Yes, and um, midterm elections are always like, you know, somewhat important. And it is it is good to be engaged in, you know, these civic spaces. But they're particularly important this year. <laughs> and we really strongly encourage people to like be aware of the fact that they're coming up. Make sure that you're registered. But in particular, I wanted to um, give a shout out to an entity that I've been working with. I volunteered um, with them as a first responder and de-escalator in the 2020 election. They are still doing this work in 2022. Um, it's an entity called The Frontline, and the specific program I was working with is called Election Defenders, and those folks are putting effort towards just showing up to places on election day as first responders doing de-escalation if needed, making sure things run smoothly, making sure people are able to exercise their right to enter uh, election spaces. Um, it's a nonpartisan effort that is really specifically around, to the extent that they can, obviating um, voter suppression, obviating voter intimidation, and making sure that that people are able to actually go vote on election day. Um, so I wanted to give a shout out to them. Um, I'll put their information in the show notes. And 
Also, you know, if this is your jam and you have the ability, now's a fine time to give donations to candidates that you really want to make sure are doing okay. We have a lot of close races right now. Everybody in the House is up for re-election during the midterm elections, and we have several Senates, uh, Senate elections that are worth checking out. We also have several gubernatorial elections that are worth potentially supporting if you have the ability to do that. So yeah, so elections in a couple weeks, uh, we recommend going and doing your civic duty. We do. And that is my cause for right now. Uh, let's see, any other uh, projects we want to promote? I guess I could talk about reprobate. Oh, I did want to mention something. Okay. Which is that for those of you who are interested in roguelike games, the game that I work on, Caves of Cud, is going to be updating very soon. Yay! Um, there'll be a, an open beta sometime in the next few weeks, so keep an eye on the news feed on Steam or Itch. And yeah, play Caves of Cud. Yeah, it's an awesome game, you should play it! Agreed. Yeah. So my project that I just referenced doesn't actually fully exist yet, but I, well actually that's not true. I think the abbreviated version exists for that game jam. You that made I a demo, yeah. Yeah, I made a demo. Kaylin referenced earlier in this episode that at one point in time in my life, I was actually also creating an edutainment game, uh, a twine game specifically, so an uh, interactive fiction. Interactive fiction, yeah. A game that was about the experience of working with folks who are accused of violating their probation. And it was called reprobate, which is is a technical term for getting someone put back on probation. But of course, um, in text, the, the name is, is somewhat pointed because it can also be read as uh, reprobate, which is how a lot of these folks are unfortunately treated in these systems. In general, our um, the game I was creating the game to try and raise awareness of the ways in which our criminal justice system is really designed, especially at the probation and parole stages, to kind of pull people back into the system. And often that's done in ways that are not really fully representative of, shall we say, restorative justice. <laughs> and so, it, or justice at or, all. Or justice at all. Yeah. So, it, so it was a game that was really kind of designed to raise awareness of that, make people more familiar with the different ways that you can support people who are caught in that system, and also just you know be more aware of the ways in which the system is designed to pull people back in once they've experienced a, a sentencing of any type. So that's um, reprobate. It technically well, now exists. you have to link it. I was going to say notes. now I'll have to pull up the show, the link in the show notes. <laughs> this is what I did to myself. I will finish it one day. I've only created the demo right now, but yeah, that's a project to put on the list. Yes, Mycopia's free time. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so I think that's about what we've got for um, represent and represent renter. I wanted to flag for folks that I thought it was fun to take this break. We didn't want this to become exclusively a Phoenix Wright podcast, um, but we are probably going to return to Phoenix Wright yeah. um, for our next episode. I think we're kind of planning to do like two Phoenix Wright eps followed by a something else ep just to kind of keep things interesting. You know, assuming we can continue to find interesting things. <laughs> to, to well, that's just in. it though. Is If you have a suggestion for a, a game that features courtroom action of any kind, please let us know. We are Legal Griefing Pod? On Twitter? Nope, just legal griefing. Just legal griefing on Twitter. There you go. We're not literally just... We are the words legal griefing on Twitter. Um, and you should DM us and tell us what you want us to cover so that we cover more things. Um, also, let us know what you thought of the entertainment episode. I'm yeah, kind of curious absolutely. how people absolutely. like feel about role reversal. Yeah, stuff. reach out. You know, leave a review if you are inclined to leave reviews. If you are inclined to leave bad reviews, it's okay. You can just stay there. It's true. We, we don't need that. <laughs> Thank you, though. But until the next episode, we'll uh, we'll see you in court. No, we're not doing that. That's oh, not our yeah, closing. That's not a good closing on. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to be very clear that I'm not suing anybody who listens to this podcast. <laughs>
tagline. We'll see you in court. No, we won't. Okay, bye.